Here's Salah. Firmino's got a hat-trick now, of course. Cucho Hernandez couldn't keep it. Firmino, Salah. Salah, he wouldn't do it again, would he? Mo Salah has! Deja vu all over again! What up, everybody? It's your boy, Cousin Oz, the People's Mailman, back for another episode with Cousin Tony, the Architect. Now, I've been dying to talk to our next guest and pick their brains about all things hobby-related. While most podcasts were flexing and talking about their biggest hit or craziest flip, Yo, these guys were preaching hobby fundamentals and going out of their way to set up their listeners for success. I'm talking about my guys from Wax Talk with Raw Mints, Carlos Estrada and Bruce Goff. Two true hobbyists sharing their knowledge, making the hobby better one collector at a time. Unfortunately, Bruce couldn't make it tonight, but Carlos stepped up to the plate and hit us a grand slam with his hobby wisdom. So listen up as Carlos takes us on a hobby ride up and down every market imaginable. Hey, yo, Tone, take it away, cuz. All right, here we are, Tony, with Wax Talk with Raw Mints. Uh, that consists of Carlos Estrada and Bruce Goff. We're here with Carlos today. And the first question, like I always want to make sure we could break the ice a little bit. So, Carlos, any relation to Eric Estrada? <laughs> um, I, I should say yes and just make up a story, but no, definitely, definitely not, definitely not, 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 no relation to chips, man. No, no relation to chips. I didn't, I didn't know. I know you're kind of young. I didn't, I wasn't sure if you were, if I was just dating myself there. Uh, but <laughs> that's pretty cool. I, I'm, yeah, I, I definitely remember that growing up. I would get that a lot. So, yeah, definitely no relation. I wish I could say yes. And, of course, uh, Bruce isn't brothers with Jared Golf, right? They're actually cousins. Get out of here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no relation. Uh, <laughs> I give him that all the time, too. <laughs> That's great. That's great. No, but seriously, man, before anything, we wanted to thank you for being on the podcast. Um, you guys are, are really your podcast is for the true collector. And I personally learned so much of the hobby fun fundamentals from you guys, from grading to collecting the goats and everything in between. Um, so just give us the story behind Raw Mints, how you guys got together and what led to the creation of Wax Talk. So Raw Mints kind of started essentially as uh, Bruce has been a collector his whole life. And uh, I only started collecting, I wouldn't say like the end of 2019. Uh, so I'm very new to the hobby, um, but how it started was, is he set up at a lot of shows and uh, like card shows locally, uh, like once a month, one of the big shows that we do collectibles on college. And uh, he, I would just actually just show up at the shows and just hang out with him because he's my friend and, uh, you know, just, you know, uh, chit chat, talk sports, you know, talk with other collectors and people at the shows and, uh, then he got me hooked into the hobby. You know, I, he, he showed me, he said, I think he sold a Devin Booker rookie card at the time, maybe even a Luca too, which at the time was not as much as it is now. But even then I was like, wait, you sold that for how much today? And he was just like, yeah, man. And so that's really what caught my interest. Cause I'm always looking for, you know, ways to make some extra income here and there. Um, and, uh, so I got into the hobby that way, started investing pretty heavy in basketball and uh, what Raw Mints really became was because he wasn't online. He was just he just has his personal Instagram. And what that became was uh, kind of a way for us to showcase 
our PC really. Um, it was mostly his PC at the beginning cause I didn't really have, you know, I was making small $2, $3 investments here and there and not, not a whole lot to, uh, you know, write home about, but he had a lot of really cool cards, a lot of really cool, you know, BGS labs. And, uh, we just wanted to showcase our PC really. And, you know, I'm a graphic designer and I wanted to combine, you know, my skill set with, you know, the hobby and try to make it look presentable uh, in, on Instagram and kind of get our name out that way. But that's kind of how Rawman started, uh, you know, essentially was just showing off our PC. And then it kind of became, well, you know, as I'm learning in the hobby and Bruce is, you know, giving me his knowledge and we could share our knowledge and kind of our pitfalls and anything that can help other collectors out there. And uh, that's kind of what we molded it into as kind of a resource within the hobby um, and also a way to really show off, you know, the cool cards that we are really excited about. That's pretty awesome. Now, I know Bruce has a, a pretty nice collection of vintage. Can you describe a little bit of what he, he he's rocking over there? You know, he I know he goes into a lot of other things, but he, he keeps that vintage stuff on the, on the down low. What, what does he have there, man? you you don't even want to know what he's got man it's it's insane like because his the thing is his grandpa is the one that got him into collecting so he's since he's he really has been collecting since he was a kid and his grandpa has been collecting since who knows so really what happened is you know his grandpa got him into all those vintage players and uh bruce's favorite uh player is roberto clemente and uh so he's got some really nice rookies. He just graded. He finally graded some of his Clementes uh, with SGC. And, uh, you know, he's he's always, you know, the vintage collector at heart. Like, I'm getting into a lot more vintage, but, you know, he really understands it. He's always told me, like, dude, if you're going to make an investment, invest in vintage because that's never going to go away. It's never going to, you know, it's only going to go up the older it gets. You know what I mean? So he's got some man like he's got so many crazy vintage cars that his grandpa gave him like to keep it in a safety deposit box yeah so like you can only imagine man <laughs> I, I i that's what i'm doing i'm imagining he never he never gets real in depth with it so. <laughs> right 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 I don't, I don't know if that's a play it seems like <laughs> that sometimes to me and i'm and i'm his business partner so yeah yeah <laughs> that's awesome but it's, it's mostly baseball though is really what it is you know Clemente's and uh you know 50s Willie Mays and all that stuff so nice I will say um your Instagram your post it, you can tell that you do some kind of graphic design because those things are fire um they, they're not your average posts so well 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 done I appreciate that man that's that's, that's the goal I want to kind of stand out yeah they do for sure every time like I say when I see it, it's like oh man I, that looks cool so Thank but you. um yeah. Now, now you guys do talk about collecting, like not only the usual suspects, basketball, baseball, football, hockey, but you guys do also dip into the alternative markets, soccer, Pokemon, Marvel. What draws you guys into those markets? How much time do you got, man? Give <laughs> <laughs> us well, the, uh, I guess, give us the uh, sports center highlight version. I'll give you the sport. I'll give you the top 10. So there you go. Realistically, soccer is my favorite sport to watch just in general. Um, Basketball is a close second, but really, I'm I watch a lot of soccer, a lot of international soccer, and uh, we both actually got into the soccer market at the same time uh, because Bruce Bruce likes soccer, but not as much as I did, and uh, we just kind of had an idea like, well, look at these boxes. They were like boxes of 2017 Select Panini Select. It was like a hanger box uh, case, and that was our first investment. 
And at the time, those were probably like $5 per hanger. And uh, we ripped a whole case. Me and him actually split one. And uh, we were hooked, man. Like the designs in comparison to other sports like basketball, football, and, you know, hockey, they're just very different because the action shots are, I don't know, it's just it's just more, you can see more of the person. You know, there's not a whole lot going on. There's an open field. And uh, the designs really of that 2017 select is what hooked us on soccer because you know they had like the checkerboard you know they have select has like the field level the concourse you know well in in soccer it's mezzanine terrace and uh field level but what really got us into it is it was an untapped market like this was at early 2020 so this is before anybody even was really after soccer some of the hardcore collectors had been doing it forever but as far as investors going, like it was open season on soccer. So we were just picking up a ton of product that was relatively affordable comparison to basketball. That's when basketball was really starting to take off and sealed product. So we were kind of, it kind of was like a, we were priced out a little bit, I guess you could say. And we kind of were looking at other avenues to still collect and open wax. And soccer was our first one, but as far as Pokemon goes, Bruce, I wish Bruce could be on here because he really took a journey with Pokemon um, probably the end of la- or like the last year, uh, end of 2020 like through 2021. He went on a journey, man, and got really into it, you know, learned a lot about it. Um, it wasn't really for me, um, which it is what it is. I like the cards. Some of the card designs are really sick, but it just wasn't really of interest to me. But then now we're at Marvel and we're both we both like Marvel movies, comics. He's a huge comic collector too, so um that's just kind of been a natural progression into our, you know, non-big sports. So with the Marvel, are you guys uh, solely concentrating on the PMGs or do you have another angle? I know everybody's all hot and heavy with the precious metal gems. Is there anything else in that market that you guys are targeting? I mean, again, with being priced out of PMGs are beautiful cards, right. you know. You know, that FLIR metal is something else, even in sports. That's one of our favorite releases, too. But, uh, you know, like it's kind of the biggest hype right now. So our avenues that we try to go down as raw mints is kind of what's popular, but what's like adjacent to popular. So Bruce has been really into vibranium. Uh, I want to say it's 2016 or 2015 vibranium is the only release in the Marvel product. Um it's uh, got lots of different parallels, really cool looking parallels. There's like a, uh, there's a, there's a raw uh, variation and it kind of looks like a white sparkle in like tops, tops Chrome products. Um, but that's kind of the, the kind of um, route that Bruce is going right now is trying to pick up, you know, his favorite characters are the guardians of the galaxy. So he's been anything that he's picking up, he's trying to get parallels of those characters um, me personally, I'm more into vintage Marvel. So I'm picking up like 1970s stickers of like, you know, Iron Man, Captain America, you know, the Hulk, Thor, and uh, like early 90s, you know, Marvel masterpieces. Like those are really the products that I'm after because they're still affordable and uh, you can still even buy them sealed and it's not going to really break the bank. But the artwork in those Marvel masterpieces was incredible. So, awesome, yeah. awesome. So, you guys are pretty much 
you know, along with Bruce, veterans in the hobby, you know, you've been doing raw mints. And you guys always talk about the best times to purchase and the best times to sell. So in a sport like soccer, especially, which seems to go all year long, when is it a good time to buy and when is it a good time to sell? It's actually a great question, man. Um, it's a question that we still don't know the answer to yet, really, because it is it is a year-round sport. I want to say that the longest time period between like the last official match, whether it's for clubs or country, uh, in between that and their, the next match, whenever it's the off-season, is like a month and a half, maybe even less. And so that's not really a, a, big, a big window in comparison to the other sports. But there are there is a drop-off. There really is a drop-off. Like, it's it's interesting. I think it's going to take time for it to really be a consistent, you know, like it is with basketball and football and baseball where there's that off-season dip. It's going to take a while for probably more people to be interested because it seems that with soccer, what we're seeing is people that maybe just don't maybe don't really watch soccer anyways they're just investing or collecting in certain players just whenever they can i think it's just it's so new as far as like the hobby goes with cards i think that it's difficult to find the best time to pick up you know me personally i just know so much about the soccer cards and like graded prices because i'm always on ebay trying to find something for my collection and to invest in and I know whenever, just me personally, I just know when a price is hitting its bottom or like, or taking a dip. So that's whenever I jump on it. But that's just because I'm always on eBay looking at comps or I'm always, I always have my safe searches set up. You know what I mean? As far as selling goes, when that player is doing really good, you know, when the team is doing really good, um, which that again requires you to maybe have a little bit more knowledge of the sport. Um, or at least, you know, finding something on ESPN that you could watch about it. You know, ESPN FC is pretty good, a uh, pretty good program that they produce um, on ESPN Plus. I think that's what it comes out on. But that's a pretty good resource for people that maybe just don't really want to sit down and watch matches and just watch highlights because they they always highlight the best player um, at the time because why else would anybody watch? You know what I mean? Like there's not a whole lot of people getting hyped for a 0-0 draw. You know what I mean? Like they want goal scorers. Um, so I would probably say this year in particular is very different when it comes to selling soccer. I think that every four years that World Cup comes around and there's so many people that are watching soccer that don't ever watch soccer ever. So every four years, tons of Americans especially watch soccer way more than they usually do. And so I think that this year is different because that might be, you know, a lot of hype build up, a lot of heat build up. I'm starting to see a lot of cards that are starting to go back up in value and certain players as it gets closer to the World Cup. But I think that if you're looking to sell, I'd probably say right before or during the World Cup before big teams get knocked out, really. Right. That uh, ESPN FC, that's pretty cool because um, I know pretty much my exposure to soccer is the World Cup or right before football. NFL football when the Premier League is on in the morning. That's like the perfect um, lead in. Um, I remember actually one time Oz came over and I had the soccer game on and it's in the morning and it's the perfect lead in to the NFL. So that's, um, I think that's when a lot of 
non-soccer watchers get a little bit of their fix. So that's 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 interesting to to think about, you know, that ESPN FC just, hey, watch the highlights and you can just get kind of a little bit of the information you're looking for. To piggyback on that, really, the exposure as of recent in the last few years because of the ESPN deal with the Bundesliga and La Liga, those are two of the big five, you know, leagues in soccer. And those matches are going to be on Saturdays and Sunday mornings. It doesn't matter. They usually go from like 6 a.m. to like noon, 1 p.m. You know, so ESPN knows what they're doing. They know that they're definitely, like you said, there's going to be people getting ready for the NFL games later on Sundays that are going to be catching that. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's perfect leading. So that they, they, they do a pretty good job with that. But uh, now let me ask you. When it comes to grading, you've seen the um, unlock the secret of which cars will jam and which ones won't. So uh, describe your process, because, you know, when you're in the business of buying raw to get graded, you want to flip, you know, high grades are the key to getting that highest amount. And um, I'm only asking for a friend. So, you know, what's what, what's the secret? <laughs> I'll definitely I'll definitely help your friend out. So, <laughs> My rule of thumb and Bruce will share this same sentiment with me is. You just get the card, you know, before you buy it, if possible. You know, if you're at a card show um, or if you're dealing with somebody, you know, in person, that's the best possible scenario for you to be able to find a card that is probably grade worthy. It's not really the case on eBay, you know. I mean, we'll be we're, we're pretty honest with how we sell our raw cards on eBay. Usually if we're selling a raw card on eBay, it's because we're not sending it in for grading. So it doesn't pass that test. So that's just my own experience, like in my own, you know, mindset of choosing cars for grading in comparison from in-person to eBay. But really, it's a very simple process, but you get the raw card, right? Before you purchase it, or if you've already purchased it, you look at the card and you just eyeball it. Just don't get, put it under a magnifying glass yet. Don't get out that sheet that you can put over it that centers it. Just look at it like just look at it and just with your own eye. Do you see that it's centered? Is it off centered? Is it is it a little heavy on the left? Is it light on the top? You know, the centering is the first thing that I always look at before I buy a card in person or on eBay. If you're able to look at the photos, um, is it centered? And if it is perfectly centered, then move on. If it's not perfectly centered, remember it. Centering isn't the worst thing to have in when grading a card it's not gonna it's not necessarily gonna give you an eight or a seven but it could drop you down to a nine just right off the bat if everything else is perfect so centering if centering is great or decent the next thing that i look at as i take it out of the sleeve or whatever it's in if somebody's selling it in person they should be comfortable with me taking out of the the sleeve if they're not then okay i'll move on but you always want to look at the surface too you know and not just on the front, not just on the back. Just look at the corners, the edges, like everything that is considered surface. You know, I know surface is usually front and back of the card. But if there's like a nick or if there's like a dimple on them um, or like those little half moons that you see quite often. Like if you see a half moon on a card, just just leave. Stop right there. Because I've seen personally in my cards, Bruce's cards and even his friend's cards, that little half moon, just a small little dent in the card, whether it's on the front or the back, drops it down to a five or a six right off the bat. 
modern ultra modern cards too like like brand new fresh from sleeve like just those little things like anything surface related if it has any issues really in my opinion i just kind of stop because everything everything else might be perfect but that surface issue to me it's that's two at least two grades you know um and then the corners you know i always look at the back first when it comes to corners uh, for whatever reason, you can kind of notice them a little bit better with ultra modern cards um, because of the finish on the front. It seems like what happens when they cut the cards is they kind of cut them from the front. So the front might look super clean and crisp like the edges, but the back might have a little bit of folding from that press. I'm not sure if that's how they cut cards, but just logically, it, that's kind of what it seems like that's happening because I've seen perfectly sharp corners on the front. And then on the back, they're like bent up or there's a little bit of whiting. So if a card has more than one corner that's soft or rounded, I, I, I stop right there too. So, you know, if it's got one corner that's rounded and the centering is decent, the surface is good, the edges are clean, I think I might send that in because it might steal nine. I've definitely sent in cards that have had one soft corner and I've gotten a nine. I've even gotten a 10 on one of them. So and this is with PSA. This is my, just talking with PSA, but that's usually the process. It's very like I eyeball it before I take out any magnifying glass or anything like that. But that's usually my process of choosing a card for grading. All right, fair enough. We'll have to, uh, my friend will have to work on that and hopefully <laughs> he, uh, you know, perfects that. <laughs> it takes time man trust me but it also takes the way we've graded our cards is in bulk so we roll the dice you know before the prices were insane when it was like 10 12 dollars a card we were fine with sending in like four or five and hoping one of them gems but we still is not that's not to say that we we're sending in all of them we inspected them and they we usually get like tens nines rarely an eight but yeah tens and nines i'm i'm totally fine with nines so when you break out that magnifying glass, like you're looking for exactly what? The reason I'm breaking out a magnifying glass is if I see something that looks like it's a surface issue, mm -hmm. I'm just double checking to make sure that it's just part of the photograph or the artwork on the card. Um, that's usually the only thing that I look at because with, with edges and corners, you can, really, you can usually spot a bad corner with your eyes. Um, but when I break up the magnifying glass, yeah, it's usually to double check if a surface issue really is a surface issue or it, a scratches, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, that's usually whenever I get a second opinion, really. And is there a special light that they use as well? Like maybe a UV light or something to, to ch see things you normally wouldn't with the uh, naked eye? I want to say that I, I think that they do do that i think that they do use a uv light because you can pick up a lot of like dust particles fingerprints that type of stuff fairly quickly with a uv light i don't personally use that because i don't want my girl to think that i'm doing i'm not selling cards <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> he's like, wait 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 uh what else are you doing over there because <laughs> i usually do all this with my gloves on and i remember the first time the first time that she saw me with gloves opening cards she's like what are you doing and I was just like, don't worry, it's cards. I'm opening, moving packs of cards, moving packs of cards. <laughs> Not moving anything else, just packs no. of cards. 
that's cool that's cool but yeah i i don't personally use that i probably should maybe just like those little mini portable ones but i'm assuming that that's probably what they do because it saves them time with because i'm not sure how they open it up maybe they might cut it open and put it on a plastic and run a light over it maybe um because those will you'll immediately see a fingerprint you know it's super easy to pick up and dust particles and stuff i see all right, switching gears from grading. Because you guys dabble in so many markets, um, I would assume you and Bruce have your fingers on the pulse of which market is about to explode and which market may be dying. So in other words, which markets are hot and which ones are not? I'll start with the knots, really. Um, again, like I said, I'm constantly on eBay just looking for somebody that may have made a mistake listing something. I've sniped a lot of cards that way, but I'm always on eBay so that I'm I'm really seeing, you know, a few of the prices. Like I want to say basketball is is kind of dropping a little bit as of late, and not just not just ultra modern, but like some vintage. If you want to consider like '90s era vintage, um, like I've I'm a huge Kobe collector. Like that's one of my main PCs that I don't even really talk about really like on our page. Um, but I'm, I'm got a lot of really cool, unique Kobe cards. And I know that I've been waiting to pick up a PSA nine tops, a 96 tops, just regular base paper. And as of the last like few months, it's been, it's been the lowest I've seen it since he passed away. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of showing me that somebody like Kobe, and I don't think it's because of, you know, the heat of his his passing dying down because it did get really expensive there for a while after he passed but I've seen like basketball ultra modern you know a lot of the players even Ja Morant Zion's definitely taking a hit Luca's definitely taking a hit Trey Young prices are young I say basketball is really lower than it has been in the past few years so basketball to me is a, a market that I've been seeing drop go as far as what's a, what's hot I would say Marvel is really hot right now. I feel like Marvel is on its way up. It's just like anything. When people start getting priced out of certain products, you know, they start looking for alternatives. So if somebody's not able to afford precious metal gems, they're going to start looking for other, uh, you know, releases or products that are popular in Marvel as well. Um, That's just kind of the natural flow of things in the hobby as of late in the last few years. Um, so I think Marvel is really going to be a very popular product soon. Yeah, I think so too. It's, it's, um, it's funny how you see that shift, you know, you talked about people getting priced out and it does happen. So when that happens, but then that's, what's great about this hobby is that you can go so many different ways. So it's nice to have, you know, alternatives like that. All right, Carlos. So you guys talk about collecting goats all the time. Give us some of your goats in the main and alternative markets that you guys like to invest in goats um i'm gonna start with the alternatives so goats in my opinion Lionel messi uh cristiano ronaldo as far as newer guys uh pele maradona those are the guys for soccer uh another you know if you're if you're not interested in picking up those four guys for vintage johan cruff uh he you know played for barcelona really good player um coached barcelona probably one of the reasons why Barcelona became who they are back in the day. Um, really good coach and really good player. Um, George Best, really good. Uh, Gerd Muller, also really good soccer player from back in the day. Um, those are the names that kind of uh, vintage go. Uh, 
as far as non-Messi, non-Ronaldo new players, I'm going to say, because it's, it's hard to say because there's some kids that have a lot of potential that are really good that haven't done anything yet. But there's also players like Kylian Mbappe that has won a World Cup. And in my opinion, single-handedly got them to the final. He became he beat Pele's record of the youngest player to score in a World Cup um, and took France to the final. So in my opinion, he is kind of the LeBron right now. Um, he's won championships, so you could say he's really good, but he's just not. His career is nowhere near over. So I would say Mbappe, uh, Robert Lewandowski, another great player. Um, these are these are all people that once their careers are over, they've already proven themselves. They've already won, you know, titles, you know, scoring titles and championships. Um, as far as you know, if I could speak for speak for Bruce, I know that his goats are definitely uh, Roberto Clemente. He really likes the old school vintage dudes. Um, he he's a you know we're all we're both Jeter fans, even though we're Diamondbacks fans. It's kind of hard to to balance those two right. but Jeter is one of those guys for us also basketball obviously I said Kobe earlier that's that's my personal goat MJ obviously is the goat of goats but to me you know I'm I'm I, I was old enough to watch MJ in his prime you know in 96 97 I like I was watching basketball at that young but Kobe I got to see all of that again being a Suns fan that's not really it's kind of blasphemy in, <laughs> in the eyes of a Suns fan but Kobe is definitely one of those guys for me Magic Johnson Larry Bird like these are these are the the really prime players that they've been getting love recently but you know it's not everybody's first pick I think but as far as affordability and players that I'm actually picking up it's Kobe all day for basketball um for me as it stands, John Morant has a lot of potential, but again, they haven't done anything, and it'll probably be a while before the Grizzlies are a team. He probably won't even end up playing his best years on the Grizzlies. So, now those uh those soccer players that you mentioned are most of those guys are they all strikers, scorers, however you want to you know offensive players? Because I just I ask because let's just say f- American football, you know who. Ray Lewis is, you know, who, you know, defensive stars. How does that translate in the soccer market? You know, or, or can a quote unquote defensive player or a goalie be someone who is collectible or is it more skewed towards the offensive players? I actually have pretty good examples of that. Actually, that's actually a good question. One of the best goalkeepers to ever play the game, uh, Gigi Buffon, he's Italian. Uh, he played for Juve for a lot of years. Um, probably the best to ever be a goalie in his position just of all time. A lot of people would agree with that. And his market is kind of up in the air because there's a lot of like weird stickers and, and cards back in the day. But a more recent example is uh, uh, Gianluigi Donnarumma, who also is Italian, who is pretty much uh, Buffon's predecessor. So I you would think that, oh, yeah, I... I know that he's a really good player. His rookie cards are expensive. Like his 2016 Donruss rookie cards are like $600, maybe even like 500 bucks for like a nine. Like they're really sought after, which I don't know if that's just because he's probably one of the best in the world right now and will probably end up being the best in the world. But yeah, I would say as far as goalies, 
those are the two names. Um, there's a lot of defensive players that I respect, like Virgil van Dyke for Liverpool. His rookie stickers are expensive, but they're still affordable. So definitely nowhere near strikers and wingers and midfielders. But I think there's a potential, you know, again, like I said, once you get priced out of those players, where do you go next? Right. In alternative markets, speaking, you know, the markets that we really don't talk about much, like the Fortnite, Marvel, UFC, you know, the Pokemon. Who are the goats in there? Obviously, Charizard, Pikachu are the goats just right off hand. Their numbers speak for themselves, (laughs) you know, like price wise, like. You get you look at those first edition hollows, not even the hollows, just a regular just base, and they're extremely expensive. Uh, I th- want to say that Charizard is probably more popular than Pikachu, but that's all personal preference. I think I know Blastoise is another big one too, but Charizard is probably the goat of Pokemon. Um, Fortnite, uh, the Black Knight. I want to say that that is the very first what's it called like legendary like season i think when you play the game that's like the the player that you build up to for the first i was in, think that was the first season that they did that and that's the first card legendary card in fortnite that is really high premium um i personally was able to pull one but just of the base um but the crystal shards i don't know if you're familiar with those those are kind of like cracked ice to me, I guess you could say, with like NBA and those types of sports and like football. Um, but if you have like a Black Knight, a cracked ice, or it's called Crystal Shard, like we're talking like a couple grand, probably even for a nine, probably really high 900, 800 for like an eight, if you can find it. That that to me, is Fortnite is probably that. Another uh, character is Omega, which is another popular Uh, player apparently in the game um really those are the names uh that come to mind with fortnite um what else what other what other one did you did you say Uh, i said marvel and ufc marvel Marvel. marvel's tough man marvel's a tough one um when it comes to you know comic book heads you know how they are you know that they're never happy when the movies come out (laughs) they hate what every director is doing if they get it right then they're the best director if they they usually don't get it right though according to them so i think marvel is probably the toughest the most subjective and i don't i don't think that it is recency bias either spider-man is really popular now like right now at the moment because of you know the no way home was a huge release um but i don't think that that directly affects the market i think that people are still collecting the other big names like iron man captain america black panther is another big one um uh, thanos is a big one too um so i just think it's just subjective really when it comes to marvel cards nice nice and i know you collect ufc as well right right ufc i don't really i think ufc might be too young for it to be goat territory mm-hmm. and i'm i may not be the right person to ask about ufc because i've only been you know a real fan of it for like two or three years maybe mm-hmm. um, watching it personally mcgregor is probably the biggest name in ufc as far as like his the card markets go mm-hmm. um because and the tops products in like 2015 16 like when they really started putting out cards his cards go for really high his autos go for really high <sighs> I want to say it's the biggest real name so far 
and I mean he's still fighting and still so popular and they puts up so so many pay-per-view numbers still I mean to me that's kind of goat territory if you can still bring put seats you know butts in seats and still lose <laughs> you know what I mean yeah. right. <laughs> my thing with the UFC too is that um oftentimes I've been watching it for a while now is that the champions they don't last a long time um typically mm-hmm. you know either just because it just takes one one good shot and they're done um, but a lot of times these guys are coming in in the UFC and they're already in their mid thirties, you know, something like that. So that's another thing too, that by the time they get to the UFC, you know, a lot of their younger days are behind them, but just the nature of the sport, it doesn't, doesn't for now, just like guys are around maybe two, three, four years and then, then they're gone. Right. And I mean, as on a personal level, like that's probably a good thing. You know what I mean? Like, when a champion gets beat and maybe they have a couple losses that means that it's in their head already that you know they've lost they've got that chip on their shoulder and sometimes it's hard to shake that off and usually that means you're you're more risky with your with your striking you're taking bigger chances and you know if you miss that young person that's taking you out they're not gonna miss you know and that could be a you know it could be brain damage potentially you know what i mean Izzy Adesanya, though, that's my guy. That's my favorite that, that, fighter. That, that's, where I, that's where I was going for. I know that's your <laughs> yeah. boy. I was waiting for yeah. you to say Yeah, style bender. Right. <laughs> Still undefeated in middleweight, at least. Yeah, and he he's actually, um, and I'll, Oz, I'll kick it to you then, but uh, he's that type of guy that can carry a product. You know, he's got, he's, he's a good fighter. He talks the talk. He walks the walk. He looks the part. And that's a guy you want to invest in because, it, mm-hmm. you know, if somebody's going to carry a market, it's it's you know that kind of guy it's mcgregor you know so right. you know, i'd be interested to tickets. see yeah yeah absolutely I, I'm, I'm i'm interested to see where his cards go right one last market thoughts on f1 okay bruce would have been the perfect person to talk to about this because <laughs> he's he's got really big into f1 and he's invested uh in some singles uh obviously Good luck buying that Topps Chrome release. That's so expensive. It's just ridiculously priced. Me personally, I don't know if you you follow uh, the P. Ryan collection on Instagram. Yep. Mm-hmm. He actually made a really good point the other day. I know that he makes a lot of you know rants and stuff here and there, but there's some sometimes that stick and kind of stick in my head. And I talked to Bruce about it, and his point was, you know, is this, you know, market hobby... Uh, popularity is it due to drive to survive on netflix is it due to you know that hype of it because that i that show alone got me like okay f1 is sick i'm gonna pick up some cards um but who's to say when they stop that show is there going to be as much interest you know it's it's been like what maybe three four seasons now so i don't i don't see it going away but at any point really it could go away and to me, if you're not watching the, the season, that's really the only thing you can watch, really. And I don't know. It's just like with a lot of things with Netflix, anything that's really on Netflix, to me, popularity-wise, it's really popular, and then it's not. So I don't know if that translates to the hobby. Um, me, personally, the only uh, new cards I picked up were like low like not really the most popular drivers, like a few of the drivers that I like from the show, but I picked up uh, vintage like Ayrton Senna cards from the eighties. 
that's ex- immediately was the route that I took whenever Bruce was getting into it. It's like, I'm going to go vintage. What's, what's considered vintage? You know, it's not, hasn't been around as long as other sports too. So I went that route. And if you look at, if you look up those same exact cards, it's like even like sevens and eights are pretty valuable. I am. Um, I actually compare that to the boom. The it was 2000, 2001, the, the NASCAR boom. It was uh, Dale Earnhardt died. And all of a sudden there was a big boom where it became mainstream. And, you know, NASCAR was the place to be. And, yeah, you know, it had its run four or five years. And then it's kind of now gone fizzled back down to where, you know, it's kind of like a niche sport. So I kind of see F1 doing that. I could be wrong, but, you know, it, it just like you said, if the show goes away, you really can't see the drivers. They're in the car. You know, you, there's no, yeah, you just can't see them. So everybody looks the same. Mm-hmm. So it's just something that, you know, I, like I said, I could be wrong, but I just, I, I've seen that before with NASCAR. So. Right. That speaking of that, just to touch on that, dude, that, so did you, were you watching NASCAR then at that time? Yeah. I, so I could care less about NASCAR before that. And gotcha. that race happened. And all of a sudden I'm watching it. I'm going to these races and I'm, you know, sitting there watching these and I was, I was hooked, but then it just became old hat. And, you know, now I'll just, if in passing, I might turn on, watch a little bit, but not like during that boom. That season after though, when Dale Jr. won the Daytona 500 with Michael Waltrip winning second place like that, I, that gives me chills, man. I remember, I, cause I was a, I grew up watching NASCAR strangely a Mexican kid watching NASCAR, yeah. <laughs> but that I remember the hype around that. Like this, there they had like the highest attendance. Like, yep, it was really a big thing. thing. So, I, you, you might be right when right comparing comparing that with to F one. Yeah, you want to talk about a storybook ending? You know, the, the kid wins. You know, that it, was, that, that, was, that was that was amazing. I yeah, I remember like it was yesterday. Right. <laughs> now circling back to soccer more of the vintage especially in the uh the foreign markets over there overseas stickers are huge as compared to what we're doing over here in the in the usa describe the difference between the stickers and and the normal cars that we got going on in the usa and and what do you prefer to invest in i actually had the conversation with the collector at a local show about this they asked pretty much the exact same question and my response was up until 2018, maybe 2017, everything produced before 2017 or 18, the sticker is their true rookie. So everything in, from 2017 and 18 and older, if a player has a sticker on a card, the sticker is always the true rookie sticker. 9.9 times out of 10. Because before the production of cards, which actually started in 2015 with uh, Select, um, or actually 2014 Prism, um, like those are the cards that first came out. But by the time those cards came out, players had been playing for five, six years, maybe two or three years. So if you go to their sticker that came out before the card, it always is more valuable now. As far as after 2018, cards started coming out before stickers, before rookie stickers. So it kind of flip-flopped um, because of the production of, of cards with Panini and tops. Me personally, I 
value a high graded sticker more than a PSA 10 card. Even if it's a PSA 9 sticker, I, me personally, what it took for that sticker to get that 9 is a lot because there's so many factors that go into stickers in comparison to grading cards. Like cards are pretty sturdy nowadays. You know what I mean? Like from 2014 Prism and up, like they're pretty sturdy um, as far and like they don't, it's not like 90s where the refractors are going to green. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not that issue. They sorted all those out. As far as stickers go, if you got an old sticker, think about it. If people started getting, you know, investing in stickers now or the last few years, and they go past 2017, they go past the, the earlier cards. Where do you think that sticker has been? Is It's probably, it's definitely not been in the United States. Right. I'll tell you that. It's probably somewhere in Italy, Spain, Portugal, these other popular places that they've had these sticker releases that they always continually have them. And where has it been? Has it been in somebody's garage, somebody's attic? Like the odds of that sticker getting a rookie sticker from back in the day, the odds of it being in great condition are pretty fairly low. So, you know, you've got to deal with the color, you know, the printing, the adhesive lifting up. Like there's so many factors that go into stickers that don't really apply to cards. And that's why they do get, uh, you know, uh, they deserve that higher value because you're not, there's a lot of stickers that I've been looking at and been trying to find that there's nothing higher than an eight than a PSA eight. And that's that to me, that kind of shows the value. Like if you were to get a nine, if you were to find this person that kept their stickers, super crisp, super pristine, you know, and you were to buy their entire collection, you could be a pop, a true pop one. And nobody will probably ever get another PSA 10 or PSA nine. So I, Personally, I like stickers pre-2017 and 18 more than their cards, not just because of the true rookie in a sense, kind of like that first Bowman compared to their flagship Tops RC. That's how we kind of wrap it up is the first Bowman is usually the sticker that comes out when they're with a club that they're not on now and they started three or four years ago. And then they get called up, even though those stickers are professional clubs. And you can kind of compare it that way. That's the best way that we really uh, try to explain it. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Changing gears again. So, Carlos, you're fairly new to the hobby compared to your buddy, Bruce. So tell us your biggest hobby win and your biggest hobby flop. Could be anything, not just a big sale or anything like that, but just what you, when you think about your biggest hobby win, like, oh man, I remember this. And, or obviously the time you got jacked in the hobby. Could you explain those two? I've got two for my biggest wins. My biggest win was I sniped a PSA 10 number to 25 Mo Sala 2018 Tops Chrome uh, Champions League uh, slab on eBay. Mm. Somebody made a mistake in the title and I got it for a hundred bucks. Oh, wow. It's pop. I want to say it's maybe pop one still to this day and beautiful card PSA 10. Like I said, I don't even know what I could put the value on, but I was just super happy that, cause that's one of my favorite players. And yeah, Masala is uh, your guy, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was one of my biggest wins. Cause I was like, dude, I probably never would have been able to get this card. Like I remember at the time, the cheapest raw card was like 150 bucks. Oh, wow. 
So imagine that with the PSA 10 finding that. Wow. That was a huge win early on. Um, another win was buying soccer before the prices 5X'd and 6X'd and 10X'd. Like Bruce and I were ripping boxes then for like 50 bucks a pop that are now like $350 for the same exact boxes today. Wow. That that was definitely a huge win for us. That really got us into the soccer market because we were excited and you know we love ripping packs. Who doesn't? And it was affordable. It wasn't breaking the bank. But the biggest flop or or loss would probably be that on the back end of that we should have bought so much more boxes. <laughs> like even like initially remember when i said that those 2017 select hangers we got a case of them for five bucks a hanger mm-hmm. those hangers themselves are like 200 bucks right now wow. like just for one hanger and like cases go for thousands of dollars so it's like biggest flop is probably should have bought a ton for us to rip and enjoy and then set it aside but we didn't see the soccer market going so high yeah. So that's probably, I, we beat ourselves up and then like, we get another opportunity to just like, should we just buy, like, should we really invest? Like, should we like really, really invest like early soccer invest? Yeah. And we, we are just still like, nah, it won't go up. And then it does. So definitely yeah. we could have not, not even for the value or monetary value of it, but just to have it to rip because it's some of the best products now, you know? Yeah. You know, that's always the catch 22 in the hobby, man. It's like, Sometimes you just got to go with your gut and it's risky, but man, if you hit, <laughs> it's big time, man. For sure. For sure. Now, Carlos, tell our audience about your website, rawmins.com, you know, what it entails, what, what can, you know, what can people see or do when, when they go over and visit that site? Rawmints.com. Uh, that's the spot where you can find our podcast, Wax Talk with Raw Mints. Um, we have the, a tab that's dedicated just to the podcast and, uh, you can click subscribe and it'll take you to the main platforms. You can find wax talk with raw mints anywhere podcasts uh, are found, but, uh, that's where we don't host it on our site because our site would move super slow, but that's, we have our RSS feed on our, uh, site. Um, another, um, great tool that we have is, uh, our ask the hobby segment. Um, you guys have been, have been a part of, and, uh, to me, that's one of the best tools that we have at our disposal is connecting with other collectors and investors alike. And, um, that's one way that we can connect those dots from around the world. You know, we've had people on, you know, in Germany, uh, the UK, like other places other than the United States. And it's all because of that website and we're able to direct people to be a part of the podcast. You guys thankfully have been on it. We appreciate that. Um, but um, that's definitely one of the spots that um, we, we are glad that we have set up because it makes it easy for people to connect not only with us and our po- podcast, but with the rest of with our audience, you know, not just on the podcast, whoever listens to it, but we give pretty much like four or five shout outs that week um, on our Instagram that has like uh, 6,000 ish followers. And we like to connect other collectors with our audience on Instagram too. So it really is, it's mutually beneficial. You know, we have the content of great collectors like yourselves, but we also try to give back a little bit 
um, as much as we can, I guess you could say by, you know, giving, making sure that you guys get your, your shine whenever we drop those episodes. You can also just kind of learn about our, our site. We also have our, a lot of our graded cards that we sell all available in our shop on our website. Um, we have something that's coming soon that we're crossing our fingers uh, goes through that we're definitely will cue you guys in and definitely everybody will know about it out there. Uh, we can't talk about it yet, but that's going to be the spot where you're going to be able to do that thing on our website. Um, but that's, yeah, that's pretty much it for the website. Nice. That's a, that's a beautiful thing that you guys have there with the ask the hobby or just the ways to connect. Cause it, I think it is pretty cool that you can get insight because a lot of times, if somebody types a review or something online and it is what it is, but to, you know, be able to exchange verbally and hear feedback from people who are listening to your pod or answering one of your questions, that's, that's pretty cool. Thanks, man. Yeah. We, that's one, again, like I said, at the very beginning, our initial reason for starting raw mints was showcasing our PC. Then it transformed into connecting with other collectors from around the world, not just locally, like we had been, the people that we knew but meeting people you know that we never even meet in real life you know what i mean and that's one way that we try to kind of bridge that gap between the collectors that we respect and you know putting your name out as well so that everybody can know who you guys are at least in our small sphere <laughs> sure definitely we appreciate everything you guys do like i said when I first came into the hobby, I was trying to consume all the content and, and dive real deep and get all the information I could. And I came across you guys and your guys' uh, podcast and the way, you know, I, you guys had it set up. It was like kind of like a tutorial for the for the newbie. And I was like, oh, this is great. Where everybody else is talking about, you know, their hits and this pool and that pool and this is worth this and that you guys are like listen man this is when you come into the hobby this is what you got to look out for you know this is what grading is and it's just all the questions that you have as a brand new person you guys took it step by step and you know and you guys have been going from there and we we really do appreciate you know what you do for the hobby so man i want to thank you guys for that um lastly i want to say congratulations on becoming a father bro baby boy hey. that's an awesome thing man how does it feel to be a father for the first time it feels great, man. I'm tired all the time, but <laughs> if it's, it's incredible, man. When he's such a chill, happy baby, you know, when he wakes up from his naps or wakes up in the morning, he's smiling right away. And to me, that just makes it all worth it. You know, it makes being tired all the time, you know, being groggy, like makes it all worth it, man. But yeah, I love that little guy, man. He's, he's great. He's, he's, he's so great. He finally started sleeping through the night this oh. past week. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's been awesome. Well, speaking of that, how has that affected your hobby, you know, journey since that point? I know you guys took a little break because of that. So, mm -hmm. you know, explain that. Right. Yeah. My hobby journey, it slowed down a little bit. Uh, Bruce had his first kid um, a little over a year ago. And I remember it being that way for him, too. You know, because we, I'm sure it's like you guys, you guys are probably texting all day, like sending eBay links mm -hmm. and stuff like you know, that really kind of slowed down between me and Bruce, you know, because that's the person that I connect with in the hobby the most. Yeah. Uh, but as far as like investing goes, it's shifted a little. I hope one day that my son loves the hobby and is a part of it and is a collector. And, you know, I've been setting up little by little pickups for him, 
um, like vintage cars, like 1912 boxing cars, like uh, Jack Johnson, nice. um, these types of, of, of really iconic people, Muhammad Ali, like these really cool cards. I've been building his PC before he gets started. And uh, that's something that's actually brought me some joy because I'll invest a little bit here and there, like spend a little bit more than I probably should. But it's like, <laughs> if I buy it now, once he's old enough to understand the hobby, like, who knows? You know, it'd be similar to what uh, Bruce's uh, grandfather did, you know, for him. Exactly. Exactly. Because I mean, I didn't, like I said, I didn't get involved in the hobby until I saw Bruce doing it. And it would have been nice to, you know, be sitting on a bunch of MJs or Kobe's from my childhood or Marvel cards or Pokemon even, you know, but you know, hopefully I was yeah. sitting on a bunch of them. They just weren't the right ones. <laughs> yeah, I know. I listened to that podcast episode, man. And I was like, Oh, it broke my heart. <laughs> hey Carl. So we're going to be wrapping up soon, but before we do, I, I want to just, how, how's that card scene out, out there? And, and, you know, cause we we're in the East coast and we see a ton of shows being promoted in New York, New Jersey. I mean, all up and down the East Coast. How how How's it out there for you guys? When I first got into the hobby, there was only one or two shows a month in Arizona in the greater like Phoenix area. And one of them was the big one that we are part are a part of every month, uh, which is Collectibles on College. They actually sponsor our podcast. So shout out to them. That was probably the biggest one. Now there's a show every weekend, it seems like they're there's like some in different parts of the Valley, you know, in Mesa and Chandler. Um, but really it comes down to that collectibles on college show that is usually the most busy that I've seen at least. Cause I've been to the other ones and I, the traffic is decent. Um, but there's a really big show coming up uh, at the end of March, uh, March 25th through the 27th. It's going to be the biggest uh, car show that Arizona uh, has ever had. Uh, there's going to be like 350 dealer tables it's going to be at uh, the Phoenix Convention Center. And that right there alone, even if we obviously, if we weren't sponsored by them, we're good friends with the person that, that runs it. Um, that to me is huge for the Arizona market and for the West Coast in general. You know, it's, it fills that gap of people having to fly to LA, stay in an expensive hotel, you know, pay high airfare to fly to LA is, in general and, you know, pay those high prices where you can come to Arizona for probably half the price and still get a pretty decent show out of it. Nice. Nice. So, uh, Phoenix Suns fan. Yes. We're going to see you in the finals. So what we want to do Sixers and the Suns, if you can, you know, we'll hook you guys up. You guys can come over, you know, watch a home <laughs> game over here and then we'll go. <laughs> to Arizona Hell yeah, man. <laughs> hey man, I, you know, to be honest, after this past finals run, it's just been like, I feel it just feels like a hangover that just doesn't go away, man. We should have beat the Bucks. We should have. We that was our series. We, you know, with Giannis being hurt the first few games, like they didn't take any advantage of that. Like, oh, but if they make it back, I, I'm not gonna get my hopes up, man, because we live in that, Arizona. <laughs> Chris Paul is he like? What's his situation with his injury? Honestly, I'm not sure, man. I'm not sure. I haven't really had the time to watch any any games recently with uh, that yeah, son of mine. I, I heard, what, is it his thumb, Tony? I know he went yeah, into the something like game. that. Yeah, and he's, he's going to be out for a little bit. But, I mean, um, they actually. Was it a shooting hand? Uh, I think geez, so. You know what? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Right hand. 
But, but it was uh, weird. It's like yeah. a, if you have a, an injury that's pretty significant that you're going to waste, I mean, you know, miss a, a ton of time. Why the hell are you going out in the all-star game and, you know, doing, <laughs> I, I know he wanted to just, if it was, the, if it was the case, you go out there, you know, you make your appearance and you get out, but he's actually playing and passing and doing all I'm like, dude, you, you, you got a significant injury there. Get the hell out of there. Dude, there was, a, I mean, it happened in the playoff run, you know, he had, he tweaked his shoulder pretty bad and everybody watching at the time was like, like we have the Lakers wrapped up. Like, why are they, why is he still pushing it? And we think that that really was way worse than it, than it real than they reported because mm-hmm. you know, Chris Paul from that mid, that mid range jumper is wow. almost 99% going in and he was just missing wide open jumpers that whole playoff series that it was just kind of like, why like put campaign in, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. cause he's, yeah. he's producing more. So he just might just have that in him to where he just likes to be out on the court and it's probably not smart. Yeah. To get that well, state farm. We're going to see what Devin Booker's made of, bro. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, for sure. Coming down the home stretch. So, well, that's it, brother. Like I said, we'll see you in the finals and uh, we're <laughs> going to continue to keep checking out raw mints and we're excited to, definitely hear what you guys are cooking up over there i know you got that little secret going on so <laughs> you know keep us keep us in the know can't wait for that and we really do appreciate man you coming on board let bruce know we said what's up and that's it man that's all i got tone yeah again i just want to say thank you for your time and before you do get out let everybody know where you know what uh your socials are and all that good stuff where they can find you guys so if you go to at raw mints on instagram uh, that's where you're going to find all of our content. Like we said earlier, rawmints.com. If you are lazy and you don't want to type that out, rwmt.cc takes you to the same site. Um, if you go there, definitely check out uh, our page. Like I said, we'll be dropping that secret. That won't be such a secret, hopefully soon. Also, before I get out of here, I wanted to say thank you guys for having me on. Thank you guys for what you do. I really have been enjoying the podcast. Uh, it's It's really nice to hear it's kind of crazy. Like it seems like it's a very similar situation uh, as far as like time in the hobby with the two of you. And it's kind of like, it's very like mirror esque of what me and Bruce got going on. Mm-hmm. So, you, and we really appreciate that you guys are collectors at heart. Obviously it's, it's nice to make, you know, money off of something here and there, but when it's not the primary focus, that's, what's going to sustain the hobby. And people like you guys is what's going to keep it going for generations to come. So we really appreciate what you guys are doing over there at Cousins Collectibles. Yeah. Only difference is I'm not rocking that vintage collection like your boy Bruce. But other than that. (laughs) (laughs) For now, you never know. That's true. That's true. But uh, yes, sir. Well, all right, my friend, thank you so much for joining us. And um, we're looking forward to uh, seeing that secret revealed and, and, you know, (laughs) where where the rest of the Raw Mints uh, name goes. For sure. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks. Thanks again. Thank you. Now, that's how you break it down. I hope y'all was paying attention. This is what Carlos and Bruce do every episode. Listen, they educate so that we as listeners can replicate. You feel me? Nothing phony about these dudes. Just two guys sharing their love of the hobby and in doing so, helping us all be better collectors. So shout out to Carlos and shout out to Bruce. Thank you guys for keeping it real and keeping it relatable. We can't all have million-dollar collections. 
and every card doesn't have to be a 10. What matters the most is that you're having fun collecting what you love, and if you can make a buck in doing so, more power to you. So make sure you listen to Carlson Bruce on Wax Talk with Raw Mints podcast and check them out on IG at Raw Mints. And don't forget to check us out on IG at Cousins underscore Collectibles. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Give us a review on whatever platform you're listening to us on. And as always, keep focused, keep positive, and keep collecting. Ayo Tone, bring the beat back.